My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of HR Sound Off. So as you know, for the last couple of weeks, I've been doing a lot of collaborations on other podcasts. It's been super exciting for me. And this week, I had the amazing opportunity to be on the HR Social Hour with John Thurman and Wendy Daly, and I had a blast. They promised me that they would do my show as well, but not together. But that's okay. That's okay. So today in the sound booth with me is the one, the only producer extraordinaire, John Thurman. John, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Julie, I am I'm doing very, very well. I appreciate this so much. We we love, Wendy and I love doing these crossovers. I think this is now the ninth show. that we will have crossed, you know, from an HR podcast perspective. So thank you. Thank you for doing the show. I appreciate what you're doing and what you're putting out there. But yeah, this is an absolute blast. We had so much fun with you the other night. I I agree. We laughed so much. And and I think that's, (laughs) I think that's such a great thing in our business. While things are hard and heavy, it's great to laugh. I appreciate, I just appreciate your energy so much. So I, I'm excited. And thank you for the warning about the, the, the cheering there. My so I, yes. I, I didn't freak out. <laughs> well, you know what? For the longest time I've been saying to my producer, you know, Dre, I need something that comes out that just makes this a little different so that when people come out, yeah, we're talking about <laughs> HR, but I want fanfare, man. So I found this really cool app that allows me to have this fanfare in the middle. And yes, I always warn my guests before it happens because it's super loud. Um, <laughs> just beware of the fanfare. But yeah, that's not going anywhere. <laughs> it really is a pleasure to have you on the show. And um, I am going to give you right out of the gate the opportunity to tell our audience who you are, and what your HR story is. How did you get here? I'm one of those people, Julie, that certainly did not plan for this as a career. Mm-hmm. I was uh, actually a very accomplished classical musician. I'm a tuba player by trade. Wow. I have uh, a master's degree in music education, and I thought I was going to save the world as a music teacher. Uh, my parents were both career teacher music, or dad taught music. My mom taught English and a lot of other things but they were both career teachers. They did not want me to go into the profession because things have started to change here in the States. And I don't want to get into that tangent, but I thought I was going to do this. And so I, I pursued uh, two degrees in music ed and ended up teaching uh, at the middle school level. So basically, you know, 11 to 13 year olds, like the worst time, you know, because kids are trying to find themselves and figure themselves out emotionally, mentally, physically, and everything else. I did that and I hated it. It was not for me. Um, and so I was like, I better get out now as opposed to try and do this for a while. And it was unfortunate because I actually had a doctoral program lined up. Mm -hmm. I was going to do my PhD. I had all these grand plans. I was going to teach college. None of that happened, thankfully, or 
I guess it's thankfully because here, I'm here with you. Because here you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I left teaching. I left my teaching job with without a plan. I didn't have a job. I had no other things, anything else planned up. Hmm. Ended up going to a temporary agency to be a temp and to apply to get temp work, some kind of administrative job, something in an office. Took the little typing test and clerical tests and all the things they do. Hmm. Started talking to the recruiter about my experience as a teacher and my background. And she said, you'd be really good at this. And I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And that led to my first job in recruiting. I was placing people in temporary jobs, light industrial clerical work. I did that for a bit. Uh, when my wife and I were going to get married, I moved to, to Richmond, Virginia, where I am now. And I got a job with a, a more professional staffing company. I was placing people in uh, temporary accounting jobs, some entry-level full-time positions. I did that for about a year, and lo and behold, one of the clients I worked with, the young lady that was there said, hey, I'm leaving to go have my baby. I'm not coming back to work. You should take my job. You'd be great at this. And I'm like, what's this? That led to getting into vendor management, where I really started to learn more trench HR work. I was in that job for four years and actually was... basically interviewed mm-hmm. by my next employer who mm-hmm. was who we provided staff to. Right. All of a sudden I'm getting a call from them saying, Hey, we want you to come recruit for us. Took a job as a corporate recruiter, did that for about a year and a half, and then got promoted into leadership where I was I ended up running a team of about 18 recruiters filling two thousand jobs a year. Wow. And it was a tremendous learning experience. A lot of people that were uh, further in their career, much more than I was at the time. Right. And I was hiring new people and then trying to make that whole, that whole mix of people work. And to be perfectly blunt, I got burned out. It was hard, Julie. It was mm-hmm. very, very, it was a very visible job. We were right. filling, you know, again, 2000 jobs a year. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. That is a lot. Um, so I, I ended up uh, basically telling my management team, look, I got to go do something else. I'm getting mm-hmm. burned out. And all of a sudden I get a call one day and say, Hey, come down and talk to us. And it was, with our labor relations team at that company. And they said, Hey, would you like to go work with the unions? And I said, I've been yelled at by management for 10 years. I'll go get yelled at by the unions. Why not? No clue what I was getting into. And I spent, uh, I spent five years as a hardcore union negotiator, uh, working with unions in our new England markets, Mm -hmm. which are some of the more difficult ones here in the U S did that for five years. And then the day after mother's day of 2013, 250 of my best friends and I all got severance packages. And I was told, you are no longer needed. This is a place I was planning to retire from. And it was like, yeah, get out. We don't need you. Pack your stuff up and go. Mm -hmm. No victory lap, no no chance to say goodbye to all these people I'd hired or anything. Regardless, it happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had to try to figure out what I was going to do next. And that's when I got very involved with the online HR community. particularly on Twitter. I I got very engaged there, started to meet people and make connections and start talking about what what my background and my experience kind of was in the woods for a bit. As I tried to find that next thing, I took a contract recruiting gig and I figured out this is not what I want to do the rest of my life. Just Mm -hmm. recruit. This is not for me. Uh, So that was positive in that regard. I ended up with my current employer. Uh, so I now work for a construction company. I'm a, re- a regional HR manager. So I do pretty much everything on the front end, right. everything other than benefits and uh, payroll. I do a lot of, so a lot of hiring and training and uh, leadership development, all those kind of things I really like, the employee relations component, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've been with that organization now for almost six years. Okay. 
one of the cool things is that through all this and, and getting connected online is how we met. Right. I, I, I met uh, Wendy Daly, who you mentioned earlier. Wendy was, is my co-host for the social hour. Right. We started a Twitter chat back in, in July or June of uh, 2017 now. So three plus years ago, wow. we launched the Twitter chat and we started getting some connections there and meeting people. And then we launched the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast in February of 2018. Mm -hmm. And really the intent was there to interview our friends and people that we knew from our chat. That was two and a half years ago. That was 170, 107 countries ago. Wow. Uh, I, I met you through that. So it's, it's, it's been this amazing adventure where I continue to do my day job and working there. I'm doing a lot of social hour stuff. And then what was really great was earlier this year, I was able to launch our corporate podcast. Right. So I now I now have my fun stuff with social art and my cool stuff with work. I do another 80s associated show that has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. But yeah, it's just been this amazing adventure that, again, I'm so incredibly fortunate that I never would have thought that, that mm -hmm. losing a job would have gotten me, made so many connections and friendships yeah. mm -hmm. and really taken my career in a very different direction. I would have never be speaking at conferences on social recruiting or military hiring or or even going to podcast conferences to talk about those things had right. it not been for that decision moment yeah. for me that was not made by me it was made by somebody else that was, mm -hmm. yeah. wow that is an amazing story <laughs> i've heard a lot of stories i've heard a lot of people tell me how they got here that one has got to be at the top of my list right this very moment well thank you <laughs> you know it's so funny that you talked about um being into music because i really do love music and i especially love classical music i actually used to play the cello nice and um i actually thought that i'd make a career out of playing the cello um you know um playing with orchestras traveling the world playing music i actually thought i'd make a career out of that you just kind of took me back to a place in my childhood that I haven't been in a long time. So thank you for that. <laughs> it, it is a, it's Therapy. an incredibly, it's an incredibly rewarding business, but, mm -hmm. but very, very challenging. Very. Uh, my, I am married to a musician. So I met my wife in graduate school. She's actually a music teacher and a flute player, very accomplished flute player. Mm -hmm. So she is still the, I guess the gigging musician in our family. I, right. I put a, I hung up the horn a long time ago, mm -hmm. but it, I do have continued great passion for it. Both my sons play instruments. Music's very prevalent in our lives. Right. Uh, but it is, it's very interesting to think about. And I look around particularly what, what I've done in the HR business. Mm -hmm. I, I, at one point I thought I was going to be this musician that was at what you'll love this. So when I was in high school, I got invited to play in two groups. One was a polka band and one was a circus band. <laughs> and my mother would not let me go with the circus because I think she thought I was going to marry the bearded lady and never come home. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, you know, just tremendous, tremendous experiences. And, and like I said, I hold them very dear, dear, and close to me. A lot of my friends have been very successful, particularly at the collegiate level. You know, they're professors and teaching the educators of today. And yeah. so I, I, I look with, uh, a different eye, particularly when it comes to education. I have great, a great appreciation for it and being married to a teacher. Yes. But I realized though that my teaching, you know, when I got into HR, my whole plan, Julie, was to be, a, to was to get into training. Right. And everybody said, well, you have to have an HR degree. And I said, I've got two degrees in education. Why do I need an HR degree on top of it? Mm -hmm. So it took a while to get there. <laughs> but, 
but it's certainly a component of what I do. And, I, and I've been very, very fortunate along. Yeah, absolutely. You spent a lot of your time in recruitment and touched a lot of, um, a lot of things. And even in your union negotiations role, like what would you say was the, what would you say was your career high? And I know what your career low is, but what, what would you say was your career high in terms of the best recruiting experience you ever had, the best negotiation experience you ever had? I think the recruiting high would be putting together a team. Like I said, I, when I first got into that role and I was with a Fortune 200 company mm -hmm. that was centralizing recruiting. In other words, when I got to that group, pieces and parts were all over the place. And so mm -hmm. no one really handled the entire recruiting cycle. Right. So early on, I started doing a lot of those things myself and having mm -hmm. my own intake meetings with management and putting together my own strategies for hiring and then making my own offers and doing, doing everything myself. Right. Ultimately handed off to an admin to, to, to help me with the paperwork and things. One of the things we found was that, hey, with the volume we're doing, we've got to centralize these things. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to I'd like to think, and I know I can, because I can look back to that experience. The, the, the people that I hired, I hired some incredibly talented, smart, future thinking people that mm -hmm. that make that knew how to that knew how to recruit. Mm -hmm. Because it is as much art as it is science. Right. And and they knew how to do it and they knew how to do it well. I call it my book of business. I, right. I look back to my former employer, many, probably 75% of the people I hired there are still there. Many of them are now in leadership roles. Awesome. And, and I take great pride in that. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're running recruiting, they're running the diversity components, they're running uh, field offices, like business partner yes. type roles. Yes. I can look at that and say, I knew I was hiring really, really talented people to be in the right places at the right time. Labor relations was a challenge from the standpoint that when I got in, we started to gut contracts. Mm -hmm. We were, we were, and, and unfortunately, one of the reasons that I'm no longer with that organization was that we were effectively setting up the businesses to be sold. Okay. So if I look and say, what was successful? Well, I successfully negotiated myself out of a job right. <laughs> <laughs> because we, we were able to get the union and the new employer into a position to come to agreement on right. some really major changes mm -hmm. in those contracts. Mm -hmm. Again, I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. And I know you know you and I talked a little bit about union in our in our conversation on social yeah. hour. Mm -hmm. it, it is a very different beast. It's mm -hmm. a very different a skill. I, I always tell people, you know, you have to you have to know that silence is golden. You don't have to fill the space. That is really hard for some people to understand it is. that I don't need the last word. I need to listen. And a lot of the, I dealt with a lot of high level, you know, when I say high level stewards and presidents of locals and things, a lot of them didn't like, they, they didn't like me, but they respected me. And that right. is a big difference. And you know, that from your experience, you know, in labor, I want to be respected. You may, I don't want you to necessarily like me because that, that, does, that sets a precedent. Yes. I mean, we all want to be liked. Mm -hmm. But I know you're going to respect me because I'm going to tell you what's up. I'm going to be very honest about it. I'm going to give you more respect than I may ever get back. Right. But it is about how I treat you and I treat you like a human mm -hmm. and as best I can and be very, very, very honest and very forthright. And while a lot of the times we were having conversations that were not fun, because again, mm -hmm. we're trying to 
offload these businesses, yes. gutting contracts and changing insurance and yeah. retirement plans and all. It's not fun. Yeah. And, but again, I would not trade that experience for the world because it taught me how it taught me a great poker face yeah. <laughs> you know, to be able to sit at that table and uh -huh. not show any real emotion. Right. Um, but, uh, but I also walked away knowing that I did the best job I could. And I, I, I took care of the people as best I could mm -hmm. knowing that I had these constraints to it. Amazing. That's truly nothing short of amazing what you're able to do. And I think that a lot of people don't respect that. Um, we do come away with a lot of uh, pain and emotions as a result of the things that we have to do when it comes to that kind of process in terms of industrial relations and negotiating and trying to get the best outcome, even knowing that at some point in time, it's gonna probably impact our role. Um, so I at the end of the day, Julie, you know, I used to, when I talked to some of these folks that had been, been particularly on the union side, had been reps for 40 years, they used to always talk about wants and needs. And there's a very distinct difference. What do I want as opposed to what I absolutely need? Yes. I, I'm of the philosophy, and I know this is not a popular philosophy in HR, mm -hmm. but I truly believe when it came to that world and in labor relations, everybody needed to walk away thinking they lost. Yeah. Nobody wins. Everybody gave something. Mm -hmm. That is a major change from yay, yay, rah, rah, everybody's yeah. great. I was, it, yeah. I need 50 plus, in the United States, I need 50 plus one. I need 50% plus one vote to get mm -hmm. the to get a contract ratified. Right. So I, if I'm the union, I can go back and say, boy, John and those and those company people just, they just beat us up and they, they made us feel like garbage, but we got you something. And mm -hmm. I can go back to my management and say, Boy, those union guys and ladies were just beating us up, but they gave us something, and that right. is a that's a that is a that is a fundamental difference from what most of us want to do in this business. Yeah, absolutely. So, what would be your key advice to HR professionals who are in that space of working with unions and negotiating? Because I think the point that you just made there is super powerful. At the end of the day, no one really wins. Um, but what advice would you give to persons in that space uh, working very closely with unions? What would you tell them? Again, I think you need to be ready to treat and to work with your, the union leadership, whoever they may be, as respectfully as you can, knowing they may not treat you the same way back. Because it is about relationships. I got more deals done away from the table than we ever did at the table. And, mm. and that is a, that is a unique, you know, you go off in a corner and you have a little conversation and, and yes, some of us maybe had cigarettes 10 or 12 years ago. We don't want to talk about that now, but you would go off and, and kind of broker a deal that then you would go back and have in person at the table. Right. That kind of stuff happened all the time. And that was, mm. uh, again, it, it's a, it's a nuance. It's a difference. It is, I, I'm going to be entirely forthright. You know, when I'm calling somebody to say, hey, tomorrow we're making the announcement that we're going to shut this plant down or we're selling this unit or whatever it was, I didn't expect them to be happy about it. Right. I didn't expect them to love me, but they respected, they always knew I was going to be honest with them. And I, I can remember, so the day I got my paperwork and my walking papers, mm -hmm. I, no one told the unions that I was leaving. Oh, no. So I called one of the union presidents myself, I was done for the day and I went home 
And I called them and I said, Hey, I'm don't know if you've heard yet, but you know, I, I unfortunately I've got caught up in this downsizing, which is not a surprise because we're offloading all these plants, but I'm not going to be your you know company rep anymore. And he was just like, John, I, I, that I hate that. I I'm so disappointed. And he said, you, he said, you always treated us right. And I said, that's all I can do, man. That's all. And I said, you know, remember that the next, whoever the next person is just, I hopefully they will treat you the same way, if not better. Yeah. But I think if, you know, as long as you're for, honest, forthright, and don't expect, don't try to be everybody's friend, mm-hmm. you know, not that you're going to be enemies either. Cause somebody even told me once, they said, you must hate unions. I, I don't hate anybody. Yeah. You, and if you understand the machine and, and you've been through some of it as well, mm-hmm. if you understand the machine that is union work and, 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 and organized labor, be respectful be honest, be forthright, tell them what's what. Again, they may not like it, but at least you, at least you can, I always say if I put my head on the pillow at the end of the day, no, I did the right thing. I'm doing the, I'm doing well. And that's right. kind of how I, I, that's how I looked at that business. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. So let me ask you this. Um, a lot of our audience are based in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. So for most of us, we are generalists, which means we cover a bit of everything. Um, what is the difference when you are a sole recruiter, when you are acting in that capacity as a recruiter alone? Um, let's talk about some of the features that are related to that function. To really, and, and the reason why I want to break it down a bit is because I really want to help people to understand the difference between when you are a generalist carrying out all of these different functions and what is tied up in one of those specific activities being recruitment? It's a great question, Julie. And I think as somebody that came from a desk, a recruiting desk, right? In other words, I, my career started strictly in that. That is a sales job at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. I'm selling a candidate on a company and I'm selling my management team on a candidate. And I think you I always told the folks that work for me when I got into leadership, one of the ways I pitched coming to work for me was that, Hey, come recruit for us because you're going to learn the business. You're going to meet all the management folks. You're going to start, you're going to get to establish a lot of relationships, but you're going to get to focus on one thing. And that is getting people in the door because let's face it. And you and I can agree on this. I think the happiest time in HR is when you're bringing new people in. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, Julie's coming on board. Yay. Right. Onboarding. Yay. We're going to onboard Julie. We're getting her a new laptop and, you know, a t-shirt and a sticker and whatever. This yep. is the best because yep. guess what? The rest of it, when Julie has issues with her management team or isn't performing, or maybe she says something inappropriate to somebody that as generalists, we got to deal with all that non, not so fun stuff. Yep. So I think that the from a recruiting perspective, for those that don't just recruit, you know, when you are just focused on that one thing, it is, I, I always tell people, and I, I'll never forget, I had a, I know one of your questions you usually ask is about what, what, what bugs you or what you know, yes. people in HR. One of the things, I will say this, when it, people used to come to me and say, I, lo- I want to be in HR because I love people. <laughs> if that is the case, and, mm-hmm. I, and I, I, I want to be very respectful when I say this, but you know, you're, you let me on here. So I'm going to say it. Yes. Yeah. If you want, if you, if you love people, go be a social worker, go find something because, and it's not that I don't like people. I like people a lot, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately in our business, we see the great and we see the not so great. That's right. 
recruiting though is a sales pitch yeah. and i'll never forget i had a lady come in uh when i was at the the big employee the fortune 200 company i work for she was from supply chain and here's a dirty little secret that i usually don't talk about i actually was looking to get out of hr and go into supply chain one time in my career Ooh. i had multiple mentors in supply chain mm -hmm. i was i was working for a company where they were interested in me because i had leadership experience with oh. mid-career people I understood the business. I knew all the pieces, parts. Right. Oh man, I'm, th I'm so glad now it didn't happen that way. But you know, it, I could, I would have never gotten to this because I'd be doing a, a supply chain podcast. Yeah. God forbid what that would look like. But, um, but in all seriousness, you know, I, I had this this lady from supply chain came in to meet with me. I've gotten her master's in HR management. Phenomenal, right? Like that's great. You're going back to school. Education is really, really great thing. I was an educator. I fully support it. Right. She comes in to meet with me. John, tell me all about recruiting and tell me about the staffing group. And I looked at her and I said, I have one question for you. And she said, what's that? I go, do you like, you like sales? And she said, huh? I said, do you like sales? She said, no. So I don't think this is the group for you. And she mm. said, what? And I said, well, I said, you just went and got your HRM masters and that again great thing and you've learned about all these things in leadership development organizational development and comp structure and hris and all this at the end of the day we're selling candidates on a company and candidates to management we're salespeople, and, and that that might be very shallow or very you know people might think i'm a jerk for saying that but mm -hmm. that is really what we're doing right you know and, and ultimately i need to know hr i need to know the rules and i need to understand the, the the how how to do it the right way right but it's still a sales job mm -hmm. whereas payroll is payroll is payroll i'm not selling you on whether no. you may not like how i do payroll but guess what there's probably a law that makes me do it that way exactly. labor relations <laughs> there is some sales <laughs> when you're trying to get a contract done but it, you know but there's a contract that says i can do this or this yeah as opposed to with somebody from, you know, in, a, in that recruiting gig, I, I'm doing something else. So, um, yeah, I, if you like people, it's a wonderful, and if you love people, that's even better. This is not just about loving people. It is about doing things the right way, the smart way, the economical way. You're, you are part of the business. If you're going to be effective at this, you've really got to understand the widgets that your company makes and how do I how do I get the right people making the right widgets in the right places to, for us to all be successful? Absolutely. So let me ask you this. What's your favorite question to ask a candidate besides do you like sales? Uh, well, that was only for recruiters. Right. Uh, so I work for a company that has team in our name. Yes. Uh, so one of my favorite questions is tell me about the most productive or effective team you've been part of. What was your role and how'd you make the team successful? Mm -hmm. where you I did this this or this I like to ask that particularly of college students or you know or in, in particular for our intern programs right I, I like to ask that because so many interns at college has changed so much since I was in a good I, I don't ha I have an education background not a music or not a uh, business background right we didn't work on teams right so that's a that's a foreign concept to me mm -hmm. but now I know you know, students go in and they work in these groups and they work on projects together. So great. How did you, you know, your team got an A. Awesome. How did, how did you help get that A? Right. Because I think that tells you a lot about what they did. I did this or I led this part or I, you know, or, hey, we couldn't agree on this. So I, you know, I, I helped negotiate this, this, and this. 
I think that's really important to understand how is that person going to, how are they going to engage on your team? Are they going to be willing to insert themselves and ask questions and what have you? So, yeah, I think that's, that's one of, for, I, I like to think a lot about the skills or the competency based piece. And again, right. for me, it would be particularly if I'm, if I'm looking to build a team, okay, you want to be on my team. Why is that? How, how did you, how'd you help your last team be successful? Right. That's a great question. And I hope that those of you in the audience who are recruiters pay vital attention to that. And if you're not asking that question, you might want to add it to your repertoire. <laughs> that, that I will say the other one as an individual contributor, I always like to ask you get, you know, you come in, you've got your schedule for the day and all of a sudden three managers come over and throw things down on your desk how do you reprioritize? How do you, how do you rank what's most important? How do you work through that? And how do you let them all know what you're going to do? Cause let's right. face it. We all think our work's the most important. Exactly. You know, and, and yeah. you know, I, I, I think wants you, it now. well, you and I have both done this long enough to know this. Everybody thinks they know HR except for one thing, payroll. Nobody's going to touch payroll, but everybody knows how to recruit. Everybody knows how to write a performance review Everybody knows how to deal with labor relations or, you know, or, or, you know, employee relations. You don't touch, don't touch a person's paycheck. Nope. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand FICA suitor or whatever applicable yeah. laws or you may be, but it's I know true. everything else. <laughs> it is true. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us, John. Um, I really appreciate it. So here's my question. What are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think other professionals should be reading, watching, or listening to? As I mentioned before we started recording, I am doing a lot more listening than anything else. Yes. Uh, I will say as far as reading, I did get a chance to read HR Rising from our friend Steve Brown. Ooh. I actually got to, and part of my cool, like, wow, I never thought this would be a, a moment for me. I have a quote on the back of the book. That's insane, right? Like in all my experiences and getting to know people like Steve <laughs> that I would get to do that. Yes. Excellent book. So uh, a nice addition to H on purpose. Exactly. Now you can get both of them. If you haven't read the first one, buy them as a stuff. I stock. have uh, both of them. <laughs> an autograph copy nice. of Star Rising. So yes. I'm super fussy about that. I'm excellent. Never. Excellent. But, but like I said, I'm doing a lot more listening. Uh, I, several shows that I'm a fan of, probably my, my favorite show, and, and she's going to be embarrassed when I say this, uh, Punk Rock HR, my friend Lori yeah. Rudiman. Um, I, I had a friend here in Richmond, a retired HR professional that I got to know in the last many years. And, and he was one that was really key on, John, you got to find people that challenge how you think. Mm -hmm. And not that you're always going to agree, because we shouldn't. We should find people that are dissenting voices. Yeah. Lori drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. And she knows that. And I've told her that on my yeah. show and in person. And, and I, when I ever see her, I tell her she drives me insane. Uh -huh. And I love Punk Rock HR because... She is challenging a lot of things about how we look at work and how right. we look at our workforce, how we do things. So that's every Monday morning when that show comes out, that's one of the first shows I listen to. Um, Hostile Work Environment, who are uh, friends of the show, yeah. um, Mark Alphonse and um, Kate Bischoff. It's mm -hmm. an employment law show. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of employment law podcasts. I know it doesn't necessarily directly relate to Barbados, but I will say, you know, for an engaging team having a back and forth and yes. talking about some some important things going on across the world particularly me uh -huh. too and uh 
just kind of how we're how we're living in this uh, COVID world. Right. Uh, love them. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I I don't listen to dozens or tons right. of HR podcasts, but I mm -hmm. I'm very proud of the fact that we've been able to make connections across mm -hmm. the gamut of the of the business. But mm -hmm. those are two in particular that I just you know gotten to be friendly with with yeah. all those folks, and I just I appreciate so much what they're doing. And again, mm -hmm. the great thing in this, Julie, and I think we talked about this when we first connected, was that there's so there's so many great people creating great content. There's something out there for everybody. Absolutely. And, and I, that is my favorite part in all this. Just like mm -hmm. there's a book for everybody. There's a blog for everybody. So many podcasts yes. now. And, and I, I, I applaud anybody that's willing to hit the record button and start this because yeah. you, you, as you've learned, it is not easy. Not at all. Um, and not at all. <laughs> and um, I, I applaud anybody that's willing to at least, start and, and those mm -hmm. that those that are able to maintain yes props because it is it is it's a lot of fun but it is a lot of work it is a lot of fun and and it is not easy and i think that um i've always said like the moment that this is no longer fun for me i will put an end to it um but i right think you've now, been listening to us i've been saying that for you <laughs> two years <laughs> i will put an end to this the minute it is no longer fun for me but right now i'm enjoying meeting amazing professionals in this space expanding my HR community, expanding my knowledge base, um, things that I never thought of before. Um, just the amazing people that have passed through this sound booth, I'm really, really grateful for, and I'm thank you so much for being here. And I also want to thank you for listing me on your podcast to listen to list. So again, that goes... <laughs> well, part of that is, again, we have, so Wendy and I have been at this now since February of 2018. And, and I truly believe that, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, there's something out there for everybody. Yep. And we have been incredibly fortunate to do a lot of crossover shows. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think you are now our ninth podcast that we will, and Wendy is going to be on later. Cause again, you yes. get two for the price of one, yes. but, uh, but, but you're, you know, we've, we've, we've done crossover shows. So we're, we are on each other's episode uh, podcast. Yes. You're the, the ninth person or ninth show, 10th mm -hmm. episode where we've done that. And I, I, I got to shout it out. Cause again, I, I just truly believe I want people to, obviously if they hear you on our show, I want them to go listen to what you're doing. Yeah. And if, you know, maybe if I, I listen to Julie and I listen to John and Wendy, who else is out there? And exactly. again, I, I just, I'm so passionate about this and mm -hmm. it really is some of my favorite stuff to do. Yes. Um, I, I think, you know, again, I'm not a writer. I, I, I my dad was an English teacher and mm -hmm. probably not a fan of the fact that I don't like to write, but <laughs> I, I find, I find podcasting personally, cause I've been listening to podcasts for 10 plus years now. Yeah. And uh, not, I didn't start with HR. I'd never listened. I no. didn't. Well, <laughs> HR happy, happy hour know. started 10 years ago. So they're, you know, yeah. they're the OGs in this, but in all seriousness, like I wasn't listening when I started, it was comic books yeah. and fun stuff, mm -hmm. but you know, there, um, you know, there's something for everybody. There's an audience for all of us. I really, mm -hmm. I want to share and support and cheer on everybody else. Because again, I also want people to understand that this is not, it is, it is not easy. No, you did, I always tell people, yeah. I get a lot of calls. Yeah. Hey John, you know, I'm starting a show. I got a thousand followers on Twitter. That's great. 3% of your 3% of your fan base is going to follow you or going to yeah. listen to your show. 
the average podcast less 10 episodes, nine or yeah. 10. Mm -hmm. um, and they're right now, as of, you know, August of 2020, the Apple catalog has over a million podcast titles in it. Yeah. And of that, 46% are creating content in mm -hmm. the last 90 days. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It is, it is. And a lot of shows, particularly with COVID, a lot of new shows have come out. And guess what? They're fading quickly. And that's mm -hmm. not HR necessarily. It's just kind no. of across the board. Exactly. But, you know, uh, Wendy and I have been at this, like I said, February 2018, 180, mm -hmm. 183 shows so yes, far have been yes. released. Yes, yes. So I, we've got a track record. <laughs> I mean, but, but we all start somewhere, right? Like you're, exactly. you're starting this adventure and I'm, I'm so excited to see where it takes you because I just, again, appreciate so much the energy and the, 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 the hook that you had, the angle. Yes. We, all wanna, we all have to figure out what that is. And exactly. Those that don't, they don't hang, they don't make it long. Yeah. Yeah, and those that try to generate revenue day one—that's another thing. Don't. Exactly. If anybody's listening to this, every podcast I go on, I say it. Please mm -hmm. do not get into podcasting to make money. Exactly. That is not what it's about. If it is about that for you, I guarantee you'll be out in in two months. Yeah. Because it's just not. It is not what it's about. If you build an audience though, and you build connections and you nurture it, you never know where it's going to go, exactly. right? Like, I mean, if Julie, if somebody told us we'd have 10 sponsors for the social hour in mm -hmm. the last two years, that wasn't the plan. Like, we yeah. just want to talk to our friends when meet people like you. Mm -hmm. But but people recognize that we're making connections, that we're you know, developing relationships, mm -hmm. and that, you know, that uh, we worked with some amazing people, amazing sponsors yep. that are doing cool stuff in our business that more people should know. So. Right. I love it. I'm here for all of that. I actually have a few friends now who are starting podcasts. And um, one of my friends, she actually, she lives in the UK. She is from Barbados, but she's creating a podcast on nomad working, working as a oh, wow. So gig HR. It's called yeah. uh, Nomadly Speaking. And mm. um, I'm super excited for her, but I've been helping her through the process. So as we go through and we have a different Zoom call every other day, it seems it's like there's always something new to learn. And I told her, you got to respect the process. It's not something, every platform may not work for you. You might try this platform. It doesn't work. You might try something else that works better. You know, it's all about what works for you. And like, and I said, as long as you know your why, you will be here for a while. But if you don't that, know your why, it's that's, not fast. That's so the key. It, it, bear that you know, in mind. When Wendy and I started, Julie, that was a lot of our conversation was what are we going to do to be different? Yeah. Like, what is our, what is our why? And how, what's, I always say hook and people yep. may get offended by that, but what is our hook? And our hook yeah. became, we want to talk to other people. People talk about FLSA and, and the laws and the mm -hmm. tech, and those are great things. Yeah. We want to talk to other practitioners. And I always say the people we meet that are cool. Yes. Right. So people like you, people that are doing this, that are in the trenches, because guess what? No one was doing that. And, yeah. and I, and so that was, that became our niche was mm -hmm. let's talk to other practitioners and people around the industry and people that we think are cool and people that mm -hmm. we met through our chat. Yep. And let's just talk to them about them because mm -hmm. guess what? Somebody, somebody, every podcast is somebody's first podcast. Yep. Just so hopefully somebody's listening to this with the two of us. Maybe yep. they'll come listen to Social Hour now. But mm -hmm. every episode of your show every is their first. What am I going to do to get them to come back? 
why yep. should you, why should you stay interested? Mm-hmm. I hope you stay interested, but, mm-hmm. and if not, that's okay too. Exactly. I, ho- I want you to find that community. I, that's been one of the biggest things through COVID. Um, you know, the social hour has expanded well beyond podcasting or Twitter chats. We do trivia nights. We've done movie nights. We've, yes. we've done stuff just to engage our community mm-hmm. and to give people a, a sense of connection some of those things will stay, some of them will go, and yeah. some of those people will stay and some of them will go. Mm-hmm. I just want people to find whatever community works for them mm-hmm. that, that will be beneficial to them and that they can give back to that community. And, and I, I just can't stress how important that is. It's every webinar I get to speak on, I talk about it. Mm-hmm. We talk about it here. I mean, I just, uh, you know, whoever's listening, mm-hmm. find find that group, stay mm-hmm. connected. Don't, don't walk away once things change. I'm not going to say improve, but get, they will change. Hopefully they'll get better, but, yeah. but figure out a way to stay connected with others mm-hmm. and, and benefit them, benefit yourself and, and keep this thing moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Thank you so much for dropping all of these gems today, John. I really appreciate it. So normally at this point, I'd ask like, you know, as an HR professional, what is it that keeps you up at night? But I'm actually curious to take you down a different rabbit hole. So stay the course with me. Okay. Um, so you talked to me a little bit prior to um, record, uh, starting recording. Mm-hmm. You were telling me about your love of comics. Yep. So tell our audience a little bit about your comic hobby and, you know, where that's taken you. Like I mentioned, I... I'm very fortunate to have a lot of interests beyond HR. And mm-hmm. again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've been in the around podcasting for a long time. I, I co-host a show called Star Joe's, which is Star Wars to GI Joe, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, everything in the eighties properties. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so I've done that for seven years now. I've been on mm-hmm. that show wow. uh, as a co-host. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the reasons I was, I felt comfortable starting social hours. I had all this experience as a co-host, and I had a, a wonderful guy that I, my friend Ryan, who started that show, who's been at it for 10 years now, mm-hmm. he, he showed me the ropes, just like you're helping your friend now with her Nomad show. It was that whole, like, you know, obviously so much of this is about the community yeah. you're in and whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I, my older son, uh, when he was a, a kid, nine, 10 years old, was an artist, a very accomplished, started to become a very accomplished artist. And I happened to see there was a comic book convention going on here in Richmond. And it was GI Joe focus. That's my passion. I'm a big GI Joe fan. You know, little army men get me really excited. Yeah. And so I, I, I took him to this comic book convention and we met artists. We met the original writer on GI Joe from the eighties. Like we met all these, it was like, yeah. well, this is crazy. Like what in the world are we gotten into? Yeah. And we started going to conventions. So we would travel to Charlotte, North Carolina, to Baltimore, Maryland, to all over DC, all over the you know, mid Atlantic area, going to conventions, meeting creators, and one of the things I found is that a lot of them are similarly situated age-wise to me, maybe a little younger, but I, my son would go up to everybody and talk to him about what he was working on, and he'd take a portfolio mm-hmm. and show his art. Artists love helping, particularly young people. So yeah. it, was, it was kind of this end. Well, then all of a sudden we start talking, and it's like, all right, we're, they're, they're into not just comic books. They're into racing, or they're into this, or all these other things that I like. Next thing I know, we're going to dinner with some of these guys. Hey, you want to go have pizza with us or go have a beer or something? Like, what? Like, wait, these are like my my kids' heroes, right? Like, and here I am, we're going to go have burgers with them. Uh-huh. 
so it started this whole thing where I, yeah, I got very involved in that community. And uh, lo and behold, one of the guys I got to know, his name's Tom King. Mm-hmm. Tom was on a podcast that friends of mine had started. Right. Tom was a writer and Tom was an out of work writer. He had re- was a former CIA agent Ooh. that got out of the CIA and wanted to write comics, uh-huh. wrote a novel. I met him seven years or seven, eight years ago now. Met him at a convention. We start talking. I'm like, oh, I'm friends with so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm on the show with them, blah, blah, blah. Then I start seeing Tom at all the shows, right? He's he's out every weekend, like, selling this novel. Mm-hmm. One day, he tells me, he's like, hey, man, I got a I got an article. I'm going to get a story published by DC in a Batman comic. I'm like, that's awesome. Wow. Fast forward. Now, mm-hmm. this is seven, eight years later. Right. Tom King has now won every award that they give in the comic book industry. So I say he's won the Oscar, the Tony, the Grammy. He's co-writing the New Gods movie with Anna DuVernay. Wow. He just came off a, a seven-year run on, or six-year run on Batman, which he wow. killed me and a bunch of my friends in <laughs> uh, uh, by name. So it's a John Thurman was killed by a, a character that is in G.I. Joe and Batman, same name and Wow. I'm not gonna get too nerdy. So yeah, it's this it's this crazy whole other thing that I'm into, and mm-hmm. I've gotten to you know meet act like I met the guy who unfortunately since passed away, but I met Peter Mayhew, who's Chewbacca in Star Wars. Right. Like, I got to meet him through this, and I've met uh, Power Rangers, and I've met Star Trek actors, and because I worked with one of the local conventions. So I, uh, I do you remember the show or familiar with the show Jim? Uh, it was an '80s cartoon about a pop singer. Uh huh. Well, so the singer, Jim, like the the fe- the singing voice of Jim, I've gotten yeah. to know. Oh, it's wow. that kind of, it's these crazy, right? Yes. Like, well, it, but people just think it's fascinating. Like, well, you know, it's just another thing that I do yes. on the weekends. Is if I'm not, you know, talking about this, I'm probably reading a comic book or talking to one of my friends who's working on something right. in the business. And you know, I, I I've had my artist, the artist that created our logos, the longest running artist on GI Joe. Another guy's done some logo work for me, worked for SpongeBob for Nickelodeon for 10 years, nice. you know, star or uh, hot wheels, packaging storyboards for movies, all this, it, it's yeah. this whole other crazy thing and a lot of fun. Like I, I just nice. very, very fortunate to, to get to know a lot of cool people. And as I tell people, just like we've spent time together, I'm the same person at all of it. And of course, yeah. what's really funny is I've become the HR person for many of my friends in that <laughs> When they need advice, if they're interviewing or they need resume help. Well, exactly. Or, hey, John, I got this, I got this issue, like potential personnel issue. Can you help me? Yeah. I get a lot of that too. I get a lot of the legal calls and I always say, I'm not an attorney, but here's what I would tell you. So so yeah, it's, it's a tremendous amount of fun. And that's kind of one of my, you know, nerd things or geek things that I do outside of this. And one of the things I found is when I started talking on Twitter about all of this beyond HR, it opened up and I found out that other people are fans of certain music or certain comics or whatever it is. Uh There's so much more to it than, than just what we talk about, you know, from from a business perspective. I am a huge Marvel fan. And I find that like sometimes a lot of what I tweet about is Marvel related. (laughs) related. Well, you'll appreciate this. If you've seen the X-Men movies, Yes. So years ago, I was driving a guy by the name of Chris Claremont. Now, if you're familiar with the comics at all, Chris Claremont wrote X-Men for about 20 years mm-hmm. for Marvel. Mm-hmm. And we're driving past the airport here in Richmond, and there's a Blackbird airplane, the SR-71 Blackbird, which is a spy plane. Uh-huh. It's what the X-Men use in first class. That's the yes. X-Men jet is the Blackbird. Mm-hmm. 
So we're driving out of the airport. I got Chris Claremont in the passenger seat of my wife's minivan. And he goes, and he, he's a really weird, he's a nice guy, but he's kind of off the wall. And he looks, he looks and he goes, ah, the blackbird. When I was on the set of first class, I asked them if they'd give me the plane that they had. And they told me no. And I said, you sons of position. I wrote the damn thing in the script. <laughs> this is the same guy that asked my, when my son, my younger son was five uh-huh. or we're at a show. He's wearing an Iron Man shirt. Chris Claremont looked at my son and said, young man, have you ever wondered how Iron Man goes to the bathroom when he's flying through the air at 800 miles an hour? <laughs> Comedy gold. And, and of course, Claremont looked at me and he said, I, I'm so, I said, Mr. Claremont, my son will never understand how funny this is. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, again, I've had all these crazy, you know, and I, I met, yes. I, I've met some creators that have, unfortunately have since passed on, but people that worked in the forties and fifties and mm-hmm. I heard their stories and, yeah it's it's insane we could have a whole nother show just talking about that stuff but yeah it's been tremendous fun i feel (laughs) this is like part one (laughs) like look out for part two everybody it it will come sometime down the road anytime my friend anytime i love doing this anytime (laughs) so john can you tell our beautiful audience where they can find you on social media Absolutely. Best bets on Twitter, and that's at John, J-O-N underscore Thurmond, T-H-U-R-M-O-N-D. I'm mm-hmm. also on LinkedIn. And then also, if you want to find the podcast, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com or whatever mm-hmm. platform where you may be listening to Sound Off, you're probably going to find us there too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will share all of those links in the comments when this episode is released. And with that, John Thurman, you have survived your time in the sound booth. Yay. Thank you, Julie. (laughs) I want to thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all of your gems, all things recruitment, union negotiations, and comic related. And just being an all right rounded, amazing guest. Thank you so much for being on board. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.